when I was in college, the very first day of school, I remember my parents drove me there and we unpacked all our stuff and put it uh, in my new dorm, met my new roommate, met my suite mates, uh, a couple rooms, shared a bathroom, began to meet new friends on our hallway. And so I had a lot of mixed emotions. I was excited. I was ready to be free and get to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I was nervous. Uh, can I can I really do this on my own? You know, do I deserve to be here? Will I be able to handle the school, the social life, all that kind of stuff? I was sad when I saw my parents, you know, leave after saying goodbye as they're heading back home and I'm on my own and just uh, so much of that, you know, mixed emotions and overwhelming. But just mostly just a lot of excitement. Glad to be in college, glad to have the opportunity, looking forward to meeting lots of new people, making new friends and then that night, that first night at college with all these 18 and 19-year-olds in the freshman dorm for the first time, I think it was the biggest party I've ever witnessed in my life. It was crazy, and people were just glad to be free of everything, mom and dad doing whatever they wanted to do, and uh, some of that obviously continued for the rest of college through four years, and you know, I observed in that time that some people handled that freedom pretty well. They could balance fun with responsibility, and, and they came out of college in, in a good spot and, and moved on in life. And I also met some people in college, some of them that even became my friends, who did not handle that freedom very well. And they made bad choices with their freedom, and it really got them into a lot of trouble. Remember one guy on my hall, uh, he got basically kicked out of school after the first semester. He flunked out academically because he just drank too much, too much alcohol, and he developed a drinking problem, uh, became an alcoholic, and it was, it was a very difficult situation. Uh, I knew another guy who uh, got credit cards for the very first time, and he would max out his credit card and then start another credit card and just spend, spend, spend. There's no limit. I can get whatever I want right now. I don't have to worry about that. It took him years after college to pay off that debt and all of that interest that he racked up as a freshman. There was another guy who was on our hall the very first night, and he had too much alcohol to drink. And he thought he was going to do something that would make him popular and really cool, but in his drunken state, he wasn't rationalizing things very well. And what he did had the opposite effect, and it, it, it freaked people out. So much so that he earned a nickname for that. I can't repeat it to you because we're in church but it's just sad to say that for the rest of his time in college, and he stuck it out for four years, no one called him by his real name. They called him by his nickname that was a name of shame. And it haunted him for four entire years because he had one major lapse in judgment misusing his freedom. And then there are a lot of people who just quite honestly were shacking up in school, and you know what that means, and uh, they had a lot of regrets the day after. What have I done? I can't believe that I've done this. And they felt a lot of shame in their life that stayed with them for a long time, even after college. And so in our lives, sometimes we learn hard lessons. And I think one of them is this. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should, right? Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. I'm free. I'm on my own. I can do what I want, right? But just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. And so maybe the question is, well, what should we do? What rules should we follow? What rules should we ignore? What law should we follow? What law should we ignore? Who makes the rules and who makes the laws? 
And how do we balance following rules, following laws with freedom? Where, where are we free and where are we not free? And how can this get us into trouble? How can it live, help us live a great life? Or maybe another way to think about it, another question to ask yourself is this. Have you ever used your freedom in a way that has led to you becoming enslaved to something? Not intentionally. That's not what you started out to do. But have you ever used your freedom in a way that that backfired and led you to become enslaved into something? Kind of like some of those uh, classmates of mine in my first year of college. Used their freedom, became enslaved to an addiction, use freedom to become enslaved to financial debt, use freedom to become enslaved to shame and to guilt. Have you ever used your freedom and found yourself enslaved into something that is terrible? Well, today we're talking about freedom. We're going to talk about what it means to be free in God, what it means to be free in America. What does it mean to be free? There's good and there's challenging things with that. So what does it mean to be free? Well, we Obviously, our church is, is in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is in the United States of America, and we take freedom very seriously, and we celebrate freedom, and we're grateful for freedom. There are lots of men and women who have fought for freedom to keep freedom in this nation, and many men and women have died keeping our nation free, and we're grateful to them, and we owe them for that, and uh, so freedom is very important to us. We've also talked about, especially recently in the past year or so, how that freedom that we value so highly in America is not always shared equally to everyone, specifically to people of different races and different colors of skin. And, and we see that that's a major problem that we're still wrestling with. So we value freedom, but we're not all the way at the, the freedom that we really aspire to. And within America, I, I think there's different types of freedom. I'd like just to share a few of them with you today. Maybe you've thought about this. And, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I think in America, these are some of the things that we value as free people. One of them is basically individual freedom. And this simply means I can do what I want to do when I want to do it, right? I can do what I want. If I want to be left alone leave me alone. If I want to get up at this time, I want to get up at this time. If I want to work at this job, I want to work at this job, right? In America, we value individual freedom, the ability to choose to do what we want to do. We hold that freedom very highly. I think another freedom in America is social freedom. Uh, this is a little bit different. This is a is type of freedom where we look at the world and we look at in, in America where people are being oppressed, right? social, more than one person. And so we look to liberate them, right? We, we want to fight against racism. We want to fight against sexism. We want to wipe out hunger. We want to fight, wipe out poverty, right? So we, we want people who are socially enslaved to things like this to be free. And so we work for that, and we battle for that, and we advocate for that. Oftentimes it's called social justice. We want all people right, to be as free as possible. Right, another type of freedom that we, we have in America is psychological freedom. And by this, I mean self-actualization. Basically, I, who am I? Right? Who am I going to be? Right? As opposed to who you think I should be. Right? My parents say one thing. The government says one thing. The teachers say one thing. My church says one thing. But who am I going to be? Who am I called to be? Right? Who am I? Right? So this this psychological freedom to be who we think we are supposed to be. Right? So those are three different types of freedom in America. Let me just ask you, how, how's that working for you and how's that working for our nation? 
I think in some areas it's going well, in other areas it's not. And some of these freedoms can kind of compete with each other. When I have my individual freedom and my psychological freedom, sometimes I'm so focused on me that I'm hurting people who need social freedom. And so it's kind of a complex web. So we're going to come back to that. I just want you to be kind of thinking about that, put that on the back burner of your mind right now. Because we also learn a lot about freedom from God in the Bible. And today we're going to look at the Bible for guidance about what does it mean from God's perspective for us to be free. And some of it's going to be familiar. Some of it might be new to us. And so what does God want us to know about freedom and being free? And today we're going to be in the New Testament. Uh, We're going to be with Paul. We were with him last week. And Paul was a pastor in in the first century world. And he started a lot of churches, especially in the Mediterranean world, around the Mediterranean Sea. And Paul was a pastor. He started these churches, and when he was away from them, he would write them letters to encourage them, to answer questions, to teach them. And a lot of those letters were compiled and put into what we know as the New Testament in the Bible. And today we're going to be reading in the book of Galatians, right? There's a church in Galatia. It's in the Mediterranean world. Paul's writing to the Galatian Christians. And here's what's going on, right? In the first century, when people were becoming Christian, they were coming out of the Jewish religion, Judaism. And so the question was, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, do we first have to become Jewish? Right? To be Jewish meant certain things. There were 613 commands, which you can find in the Old Testament. You've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. There are actually 613 commandments. So the question was, to follow Jesus, do we also have to follow 613 commands of the law? Right? Do we have to follow these commands? Uh, And we read about this week in our Lenten series when we were reading through the book of Acts. And we we saw Paul encounter this. Uh, So I hope you're reading those Lenten readings. We're reading through the New Testament together. As Pastor Lindsay said, it's not too late to dive in. Just go to our website, to our events page. You can find out all about it. But this week we read some of the, the early Christians who were wrestling with this. Because some of them were Jewish and some of them were not. So do we have to follow these laws? And so we read this week that there was a proposed compromise. You don't have to follow all of the laws, but you do need to follow three or four of them. But which three or four of them should we follow? Because the law for the Jewish people really served two purposes. The first purpose was to let people know how not to do the wrong thing, right? Sin is the word in the Bible for doing the wrong thing. And so these 613 commands said you need to do this, you don't need to do that, so you don't get into trouble. And if you do get into trouble, this is the consequence that you have to face. This is what you have to pay to be forgiven. Often it was some kind of a sacrifice of something of value, especially an animal or some kind of food or something. And so the the Jewish law was, hey, this is how you avoid sin. This is how you stay out of trouble. If you get into trouble, there are consequences to pay, and this this is the price that you have to pay. The other thing that the Jewish law did was it set people apart, right? It said... Okay, if you follow these laws, then you're going to be different than everybody else. And people are going to know that you're different. And when they ask you why you're different, then you can say, because I follow God. Right? For example, why do you dress that way? Other people in our society don't dress that way because God asked me to do that. Why do you eat this food and not this food? Right? Because God asked me to. God won't let you eat bacon? Come on, man. That's, that's, that's the law I'd have a hard time with. But anyway, right, the law was to help people stand apart, to be set apart, to be holy, that they would be different from their society, and it's a way for people to see uh, that difference. And, hey, wow, how can I be a part of what you're doing? Right? So there are these two major reasons the law existed. Keep us free from sin 
and also to help us stand apart from everyone else so people knew who followed God. Well, today when we get into the book of Galatians that Paul has written, there's a question, especially by males, men, who want to become Christian. Because in the Jewish law, in the Jewish tradition, all men and boys had to be circumcised. And I know that's TMI, too much information. We don't even want to talk about that in church. But it, it was a symbolic hot-button issue in the New Testament. A lot of people were saying, if you want to be a Christian and you're a man, you have to be circumcised. That's one of, the, one of the things we're not going to compromise on. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to be circumcised. And so they're asking Paul, do you have to be circumcised and to be a Christian? And, and Paul's going to take it beyond circumcision. He's going to talk about the law in general. So let's see what Paul says to those who are wondering, do you have to follow all the Jewish laws to be a Christian? Let's see what he says. So Galatians 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. No, we don't have to follow all the laws of the Old Testament. Jesus has set us free. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Right? Christ died on a cross, came back to life, right? so that we can find a new way to God. That's a, it's, a, it's a difference from the law. It fulfills the law, but it's different. Right? Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. If you, if you do this one command, then you're going to have to do the 612 other ones, right? If you're going to be under the law one way, you're going to be under the law for all of it. So don't do it, right? You're trying to be justified by the law, right, to be made right by the 613 commands, right? And you've been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Grace means unmerited favor. We don't deserve Jesus but he forgives us anyway, right? It's his gift. It's what he did for us on the cross. For through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that part of God that's with us right now, right here and now, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness, God's going to make us right, for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So Paul says, no, you don't have to be circumcised to be a follower of Jesus, right? Jesus, when he died on the cross, right, he sets us free. We don't get to God by following a bunch of rules anymore. We don't have to follow the 613 commands to be in a relationship with God. We're in a relationship with God because Jesus loves us, and he died on the cross for us, and he came back to life. So now we are in a relationship with Jesus. It's all about us in a relationship with Jesus. We don't just throw the law out. Jesus has fulfilled that law, and it's a law now that is it's in love and it's in grace. So let, let's explore that a little further because I know that's probably still a little murky. And, and so what's going on here is that Jesus has come on the cross to be in a relationship with us to set us free. What does that mean? I think for, for Jesus, he sets us free from something, and he sets us free for something else. Jesus sets us free from something, right? He, he frees us from something, and he frees us up to do something else. So let's talk about what Jesus frees us from. Let's look at this. First of all, he frees us from the consequences of sin. Okay? So when you and I do something wrong, there are consequences for that. There are earthly consequences, and there are eternal consequences. When we do something wrong, some of the consequences are guilt. We're guilty, right? We are ashamed. We feel shame for that, right? So guilt and shame. We also will die one day. We'll, we will be cut off from life one day because of our sin. 
and we experience hell, which means separation from God, separation from each other, broken relationships. So guilt, right? sin, death, hell, shame, all that kind of stuff. When Jesus died on the cross, he took with him all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our death, and all of our hell. And when he came back to life, he defeated that. Right? In place of that, we can be forgiven. We can have joy and we can have peace. Right? We can live a great life. We can live forever and eternity. Jesus sets us free from the consequences of sin, specifically the eternal consequences, guilt, shame, death, and hell. Now, that's good news, brothers and sisters, and all we have to do is receive that and ask Jesus to forgive us and have faith in him, right? And, and Jesus does all that for us. Jesus did that on the cross to be in a relationship with us. Now, just kind of a sidebar, there are still earthly consequences that we have to deal with in our lives. If you cheat on your spouse, if you cheat on your boyfriend or girlfriend, they find out about it, the consequence probably is they're going to dump you. They're going to leave you. And that's an earthly consequence you're going to have to face. If you break a law here in America and you get caught and you're sentenced, you're probably going to have to pay a fine. You're going to have to maybe do community service. You might have to go to jail or to prison or a combination of all of those. If you cheat on your test at school and you get caught, your consequence is probably going to be a big fat F. Right? So there's still consequences that we have to deal with. The good news is God will help us deal with those. But Jesus right, frees us from the eternal consequences of sin. Right? He also frees us from something else. He frees us from sin itself. Okay? Sin itself. Before we know Jesus, right, we're created in God's image. We can do good things. We can make good choices. But we tend to make more bad choices than we do good. Right? The wrong stuff seems to be more powerful than the good stuff. Right? But once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, right? we confess that he's our Lord and Savior. We thank him for what he's done on the cross. We invite him to be Lord of our lives. Jesus now gives us power over sin. Right? We're free from sin. We're, before we know Jesus, sin dominates our lives. Now, Jesus dominates our lives. And so we have power to do the right thing. We have power to make the right choices. We have power to stay away from guilt and shame in the first place because God lives in us. And so we can make the right decisions, right? We can, we can make the right decisions with our words, our thoughts, our actions, even our feelings because Jesus gives us power through the Holy Spirit to do the right thing. We're not going to be perfect, but we're going to be a lot better off than we were before Jesus. So Jesus frees us from sin. Jesus frees us from the consequences of sin through the cross. Jesus also frees us for something. Let's check this out. Jesus frees us for life in the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit that's with us right now, part of God, frees us for life in the Spirit, which is also known as life to the full. Right? God wants you to live a great life. God has great plans for your life. wants you to make a difference in this world, to have joy and, and peace and, and, and an awesome life now and forever in the kingdom of God, right? So Jesus frees us from sin and death and hell and guilt and shame. And he frees us for life to the full and life everlasting, right? So this Jesus and what he's done on the cross is awesome. And he wants us to be in a relationship, and Paul highlights that, right? It used to be the law, right? The law was kind of a, a temporary thing, but now we've got Jesus. And so we follow Jesus, and we love Jesus. And so that's what it's about. So then I think another question is, well, well, well some of those laws in the Old Testament were probably pretty good laws, like don't murder don't commit adultery, don't steal, that kind of stuff. Does that mean that, that we could just ignore those? 
Can we just do anything we want and Jesus is going to be okay with that? Or are there some guidelines that God still wants us to follow? So Paul is kind of anticipating our thought process in this, and he's going to talk about that. So let's see what Paul continues to teach us in his letter to the Galatians chapter 5 about how we use our freedom. So you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, right? You can do what you want to do. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, right? The flesh here means doing wrong things, right? Doing earthly things that we probably shouldn't be doing, right? Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law, right, all those 613 commands is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus said there's really a top two, love God, love your neighbor. Paul's saying here, love your neighbor as yourself, right? We have freedom, but in that freedom, we're supposed to use it to love God, to love people. If you bite and devour each other because you're free, hey, I can do what I want to do when I want to do it, right? Watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. If I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing, we don't care about each other, what's going to happen? We're going to destroy each other, right? We can, but that doesn't mean what? That we should. So I say, walk in the Spirit, right? Walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? God living in us, showing us the way that we should live. Not a bunch of rules, but saying, hey, you might want to consider this rather than that. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? Doing wrong things, being jealous, having rage, having sex outside of marriage, right? Being uh, just a jerk, right? <laughs> so I say, right, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, right? Joy and life and peace. And Paul outlines all this later in Galatians 5. If you want to check out specifics, check that out later today, Galatians chapter 5. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but God says, I encourage you not to do whatever you want. You're free to do it, but just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Right? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Right? So the law doesn't dominate us, but God wants the Holy Spirit to, right, to be the one that guides us. Right? So we are free. We can do what we want, but just because we should doesn't mean, I mean, just because we can doesn't mean that we should. Just because we can doesn't mean that we should. So let's think about this, again, in terms of American freedom. We talked about that just you know, briefly at the beginning. Right? We, 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 in America, we value our individual freedom. Right? I can do what I want when I want to do it. And you can't tell me any different. Right? I want to be left alone. I want to eat you know, junk food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I want to lay around and watch TV all day. Right? Individual freedom. I can do what I want to do when I want to do that. Right? That, that's the, uh, the American freedom. But again, with God, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Because sometimes, brothers and sisters, we honestly, we don't know what's the best thing to do for ourselves. Sometimes we go down the wrong path. Right? And also, when we choose to do what we want, when we want, we're ignoring how that might hurt another person. Right? We're using our freedom to do what we want to do as individuals, and we're ignoring that that has a, a consequence for people who are around us. I want to smoke in a, in a public restaurant. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do that. But guess what? The other people in that restaurant probably don't want to breathe your secondhand smoke and risk getting cancer, right? I want to do this, and, and if I use my freedom, it's going to hurt other people. 
well, I want to drink some alcohol at a party and I want to drive myself home because I don't want to pay Uber to come and pick me up or Lyft to come pick me up. I'm going to do that. Well, guess what? If you're drinking and driving, then other people, right, they don't want you on the road because you can kill them, right? Just because you can doesn't mean that you should, right? I'm free to do what I want, but I need to pay attention to how my individual freedom could hurt someone else. We've seen that with coronavirus, right? I won't, don't want to wear a mask in public. I'm not going to wear a mask in public. You can't make me wear a mask in public. What all, what all the people who are concerned that if you don't wear a mask in public, you might transmit the coronavirus to them, and you might not even know it. So our individual freedom, right, if we do what we want, when we want, can sure step up and hurt some other people. Right? And so maybe a better question or a better way to look at it is not what I want, when I want to do it, but... Maybe the question as followers of Jesus is, what does God want me to do with my freedom? I can do this, but is that the right thing to do? Right? The, the better question is, what does God want me to do with my freedom rather than what I want to do with my freedom? Right? So we, we take the individual freedom of America, we look it through the, the lens of Jesus, and we take it a, a notch up. I do whatever I want. You can do whatever you want, but is that the best thing to do? Right? What does God want you to do? In our country's history, this flag has been very popular, right? Don't tread on me. Very, very popular. I think Jesus might ask us to, to rethink that, right? Don't tread on me might move to this. Don't tread on anyone. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to, to act in a way that's going to hurt someone else. Right? Don't tread on anyone, okay? Just because we can doesn't mean that we should. Another American freedom that we talked about was social freedom, that we want to advocate to, to change society so that people are free of some terrible things like racism and sexism and hunger and poverty. And so we, we work towards that, and, and we believe in that at South Park Church. And, and through our outreach missions and ministries, we, we try to help people, right? Because that's what God calls us to do, to help people who are dealing with earthly needs. But I think also... That if we stop there, we're selling ourselves short. Because as followers of Jesus, we also know that there's spiritual needs in the world. That there's spiritual bondage. And so in our lives, right, when we're helping people battle racism, we're helping people battle sexism, we're helping people battle poverty and hunger, right, we're doing them an injustice if we're not teaching them about the gospel of Jesus. That God loves them. That Jesus died on the cross for them. That Jesus came back to life so that they can live life to the full and life forever in the kingdom of heaven. If, if we're not balancing earthly needs with, with spiritual needs, then we're not doing our job as Christians. We're not using our freedom in the way that God calls us to do that. So it's not an either or. It's a both and. We help people with, with their everyday needs, but we also share the good news of Jesus in the gospel. Because right? a lot of what we're fighting is, is sin in, in, our, in, our, in our nation. right? The sin of racism. Right? The sin of people having to live in poverty while others live in extreme wealth. Right? And, and who's the one who is able to attack and take care of sin? It's Jesus. And so if we want to be good at social justice, we need to be with Jesus to be as effective as we can be. So I think that's an opportunity for us to grow in our freedom as well in America, is seeing the spiritual side and, and calling on Jesus. And then finally, the, the individual freedom of saying, right, I, who am I? I need to be who I need to be, not who my parents tell me to be, not who my church tells me to be, not who my teachers tell me to be, not who the business and corporations tell me to be to buy their products, right? And there's something important about self-actualization, about finding out who we are. 
But again, just like right, individual freedom, if we're so focused on ourselves, sometimes that will be at the expense of someone else. And so maybe the question is not who do I want to be, but who does God want you to be? Who did God create you to be? What plans does God have for your life? Because our plans might seem big to us, but they're small to God, and God's plans are big for us. So as we think about using our freedom to be who we want to be, maybe the way that we express that freedom the best is to ask ourselves, how can I use my freedom to be who God created me to be and to give me life to the full? What could that look like in my life? So these American freedoms are important. But when we filter them through the gospel of the good news of Jesus, they become even better. Right? So I would challenge you to do that. Now, I know this is a lot to take in. It's a lot to think about. You know, so, so what? So what? What's the point? What's the big deal? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? How does this affect me in my life when I think about the cross and I think about freedom? This is what I think God's saying to us through Paul in this letter to the Galatians and, and even in the rest of the test, New Testament, right? You are free when you choose to be bound to the Holy Spirit. You are free when you make a choice, right? You don't have to choose God. You don't have to choose God. It's, it's your choice. God gives you the gift of choice, right? But you are free when you choose to be bound to the Holy Spirit, right? That part of God that's with us now, right? To be bound in a relationship. We could add in a relationship to the Holy Spirit. Or I could push it even further to say you are free when you choose to be enslaved to the Holy Spirit. It's not my will, God. It's your will. I can do whatever I want, but just because I can doesn't mean I should. And God, you know better for me what life to the full is like. And so, God, I surrender to you. Show me the way to life. Show me the way to eternity, Lord. I choose of my own free will to submit to you. And I want to follow you, God. That, and that, I think that's what Paul's saying to us. So what does that look like? How do we do that in everyday life? I think we take three simple but powerful steps. The first of those is this. Hey, here's my situation, God. Right? Be honest with God. God, right, this is what I struggle with. Right? This is the sin that has enslaved me. Maybe it's my anger, maybe it's my fear, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's being a people pleaser, maybe it's being in control of everything, but you know what, God, it's not working out for me. And I, I have a lot of guilt in my life, I have a lot of shame in my life, Lord, I can't do this without you, right? I, there's goodness in my life, but there's things in my life, there are choices I've made, there's, I've used my freedom in a way that has enslaved me, God. And I just, I got to quit pretending that everything's okay in my life. And I've got to be honest, God, this part of my life, I don't feel free yet. And I need some help, right? And that would lead us to then saying to Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, free me, Jesus. Free me. I, I'm tired of carrying the guilt around. I'm tired of the shame. I'm, I'm tired of being enslaved, Lord, to an, addi an addiction or to a, a dead-end relationship or, or to financial debt, Lord, Jesus, I need you to free me with your grace. Be a part of my life, God. Come in and free me. Free my, from my lifestyle. Free me from something specific that has me enslaved right now. Free me, Jesus. And then we say this. Guide me, Holy Spirit. Once we surrender to God, once we allow God to be our Lord and Savior, that we say, Lord, 
I know I can do whatever I want. I know I'm free. I know that you, you've come to set me free, right? But I want you to guide me. I surrender to you. I choose to be bound to your Holy Spirit. Lord, show me the way. Show me the way to life, right? I'm going to choose to be bound to you. I'm going to choose for you to be Lord of my life. I'm going to choose to let you be the boss, right? I want to live a life that is full. I want to live a life that is good, right? These three steps. Here's situation, God. Free me, Jesus. And for the rest of our lives, guide me, Holy Spirit. And I think about this in everyday life. I think about it with, with my own children, right? Laura and I have two boys. They're, they're age nine and they're age 13. And we love them. And we want them to live a great life. We want them to live a blessed life. We want them to be happy. We want them to have meaning. We want to limit their pain. And so as they're 9 and 13, we have rules for them to follow. And they don't always agree with the rules. They don't always understand the rules. But we have the rules in place because they're not old enough yet to make some of these adult decisions for themselves. And so we guide them out of love and out of relationship. And that's kind of how God gave us the, the 613 commands of the Old Testament when he was walking with the people of Israel. At that time in history, that's what God thought humanity needed. Right? But my boys are going to reach the age of 18. And when they, eat, they reach the age of 18 when they, or when they move out from our home, they no longer are going to have to follow our rules. And so the dynamic's going to shift. And so what Laura and I hope is that we still have this loving personal relationship with our sons where they're free to do whatever they want to do, but we hope that they will look to us for advice because we still love them, and we will have had wisdom from life experience that they don't have yet. And we want to say to them, you know, boys, we love you. And, and when it comes to dating relationships, these are some things that we've learned. When it comes to marriage, these are some things that we learned. When it comes to career, these are some things that we have learned that, that hurt us and helped us. When it comes to conflict, these are some things that we have learned. When it comes to your career and how you spend your money and how you take care of your bodies physically, these are some things that we've learned. And we can't make you do any of it. We can't make you do any of it. But because we love you and because we're in a relationship with you, we want to try everything that we can to guide you to live a life that is full, right? But you're free to choose that, right? And, and I think down deep that my boys, even now when they have rules to follow, right, they, they might not admit it, they might not admit it to themselves, they might rebel against those. At some point, they're grateful that they have boundaries. They're grateful that they have guidance because it is so hard to go it alone in the world that it's nice to know that someone's looking out for you. And I think that's exactly what God does for us. God is his heavenly parent. Right? We, we are spiritually 18 years old, and, and we're out on our own, and we can do whatever we want to do. We can stay up as late as we want. We can party as much as we want, want as we want. We don't have to, you know, we can eat all the junk food that we want. Right? We can do whatever we want. But God is his heavenly parent. He says, I love you. And yeah, you're, you're free. And if you want, I can help you be free of sin. I can help you be free of guilt. I can help you be free of shame. I can help you hold your head high. I can help you be proud of who you are. I can, I can help you make a difference in the world. But I'm not going to make you do that. But if you want, I'm here for you. And I love you. And I will guide you. And if you surrender that freedom to me and you live a life led by my Holy Spirit, then you will have life to the full now. And you will have life to the full forever because of Jesus, because of the cross, right? I am free and you are free 
and we can be free. So how about it, brothers and sisters? What is it that you are enslaved to? What choices have you made freely that have gotten you into major trouble and it's just weighing you down? Wouldn't you like for Jesus to free you today and to liberate you? And that's what God can do. You are free when you choose to be bound to the Holy Spirit. So say, hey God, here's my situation. Jesus, free me, right? Holy Spirit, guide me. Because of the cross, I am free. And you can be too in the name of Christ. Be free in the name of Jesus. Because of the cross, we are free.